0: I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at IKAR in Los Angeles, and together we're going to study the weekly Torah portion, of the parsha, and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. I'm always startled by how quickly the binding of Isaac comes around. We're only 4 parshot in, 4 weeks into the yearly cycle of reading the Torah, and Already being confronted by what's probably the most horrifying story in the Torah. It almost feels like too much, too soon. God, horrifyingly, tells Abraham to sacrifice his beloved son Isaac, and then, even more horrifying, Abraham just does it. No questions, no protest, just gets up the next morning, packs up, and sets out to kill his son. For God. It doesn't get any worse than this in religion. Child sacrifice. If anything seems immoral to us, it's it's killing innocent kids and, and bringing such great anguish to their parents. If God could want such a thing, then this is, for most of us, not a God we care to worship. And if a parent could do such a thing, even for God, we would call them a monster. And so many of us, most of us probably, find this story deeply, deeply disturbing. But I would suspect that what really bothers us about it is not so much what God is like in the story, because if we're offended by it, we probably don't believe in that kind of God anyway, and, and and not what Abraham is willing to do because we can just condemn him after all, say he made a terrible mistake. I think what really disturbs us is that the story is in the Torah at all. Here we open our sacred scripture, looking for wisdom and inspiration, and this is what the Torah presents to us as some kind of religious model? This is the kind of behavior being celebrated in in my religious tradition? The kind of God being endorsed by its primary text? If this is where we begin to get a read on the Torah's moral compass, then then doesn't that delegitimize everything else the Torah is going to say? I might as well just stop reading here. So this week, I I just want to make a a relatively basic claim about the binding of Isaac's story. I mean, you could fill a thousand libraries with all that's been written on what it says about faith, about God, about love, about responsibility, and I'm not going to dare to get into all of that on a 15-minute podcast, but since one of the things that we're exploring on this podcast is what's unique about this book and, and what's unique about how we read this book, I want to just say one simple thing about how we read this particularly disturbing part of the book, which is this. The Torah intends to disturb us. If you are horrified by the story, that, that isn't an accident. The Torah intends to disturb us, to rattle us. The Torah is doing this on purpose. In other words, the Torah doesn't expect us to just read the binding of Isaac and take it at face value and to accept its moral message unquestioningly. When God asks you to do something, you do it. That's all there is to it. No, no. the appearance of the binding of Isaac is so jarring and the moral message so incomprehensible that we are meant to be confused. If you're shocked by it, you're supposed to be shocked by it. And that claim is easy enough to prove because the binding of Isaac, what we call the Akedah in Hebrew, appears in the Torah as a kind of a paradox. When we look at it on its own, we we can kind of understand its internal logic. We can extract some kind of meaning or message from it, however terrifying. But in the wider context of the Torah, it just doesn't make sense. And there are contradictions on either side of it, contradictions before and contradictions after, that scream to us there's a problem here, there's a problem here. The most glaring contradiction actually comes right before the story. The Akedah is chapter 22 of Genesis. And in chapter 21, just 25 verses earlier, we're in the middle of a family feud over who will inherit the family covenant. And God says to Abraham, whatever Sarah tells you to do, listen to her. For it is through Isaac that your offspring shall come. Okay, that's that's God telling Abraham that it is through Isaac and Isaac's offspring that Abraham's lineage will continue. And God has said things like this before. God started by telling Abraham he's going to become a great nation. And then when God announces that Sarah and Abraham will have a child in their old age, God tells them to name him Isaac and says, I will maintain my covenant with him. As an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him an everlasting covenant, his offspring after him. That means Isaac has to have children and Isaac doesn't have children yet. So God has already said that. And if you forgot, God's now repeating it. It's through Yitzchak, through Isaac, that your offspring shall come in the chapter just before God says, take Isaac and offer him up as a sacrifice. So when Abraham hears that in the story, he isn't just hearing something that ought to contradict his moral instincts. He's hearing God say one thing that directly contradicts something else. God just said, it doesn't make sense. And part of the story then is that he has to deal with that contradiction. And this isn't just me being modern and angsty about it. The rabbis of old didn't miss this contradiction. In the Jerusalem Talmud, Masechet Tanit, they imagine Abraham saying to God, "Ribon ha'olamim, Master of all worlds, Galui Lefanecha, you know very well that yesterday you told me my offspring would continue through Isaac, and now you're telling me to offer him up as a sacrifice. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. It's supposed to disturb you. That's the big contradiction on one side of the story. The contradiction on the other side, as we pan out and look at the Torah as a whole, comes much later in the book of Leviticus, where we've begun to get a whole new catalog of laws. And one of them comes to us first in chapter 18, and then gets repeated several times in chapter 20, is, Do not give your children a- up to be offered to Molech, or else you will be put to death. Now, Molech was apparently a deity of the ancient world, and the way you worshiped Molech was to throw your children into a fire before a giant sculpture of Molech. And the Torah is saying here, that's wrong, <laughs> that's idolatry, this is, this is an immoral way to worship. It is wrong to sacrifice your children in the service of your God. But wait a minute, <laughs> what about the binding of Isaac? Didn't our God ask for a child sacrifice? And wasn't Abraham celebrated for being so willing to do it? And now we're being told that child sacrifice is wrong? Now maybe you want to say, well, the problem is just Molech. This is a foreign god. We can't worship foreign gods in an immoral way, but we can worship our god that way. Maybe, but that's an odd message. Don't act the way idolaters act. They do these horrible things, but it's okay for us. Is is that really the way we're supposed to resolve this contradiction? There's at least a serious question here. There's something that that doesn't add up. Two ethics in the Torah that seem to contradict one another. And again, the Torah is going out of its way to repeat the contradiction as if to say, pay attention. There's a problem here. Go back and rethink the binding of Isaac. Maybe you, you thought it was just a simple moral message, do whatever God says. Not so fast. By now we see the story is surrounded on all sides by contradictions. And after all, we haven't said yet that the most obvious contradiction is in the story because in the end, God stops Abraham from doing the very thing God commanded Abraham to do. So it doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. So what is it doing here in the Torah, in our sacred scripture? I don't, I don't know. We've been trying to figure it out for a millennia, and, and we still don't know. But one thing I do know is that it's supposed to disturb us. We're supposed to be uncomfortable with it. In fact, we're supposed to be horrified by it. And that means that the Torah, among its many genres, has horror stories in it. This is our sacred text, but just because it's holy doesn't mean that it's always squeaky clean, nice and easy to understand, pleasant and inspiring. The Torah has in it deliberately, intentionally, stories of terror, of darkness, of the macabre, stories that are meant to disturb us, to leave us uneasy, to leave us with more questions than answers. And why is that? Well, why do we watch horror movies? Why do we listen to scary stories from Edgar Allan Poe to Squid Game? A good answer to that would require another much longer podcast from someone who knows more about it than me. But one thing I can say is that part of what the genre of horror of a horror story does when we know it's a horror story is that it says implicitly to the audience, we are not saying this is good. We are not endorsing this, but there's something in here we need to explore. There's something in this darkness that is a part of us, or at least a part of what we fear, that we have to confront. Do we fear that God or life will ask of us the impossible? Do we fear that we would do the unthinkable? Do we fear that there are others who would? We could keep going and going and going with the questions that this story raises because the questions are endless and the answers never seem to come. The Binding of Isaac is an unending paradox. The Torah means it to be. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom. And our theme song is Pete by Hillel Tigay. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever, if you haven't already. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ecar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot and see you next week.